what's up everybody it's Austin back at you with another episode of the book of Austin life of detours podcast we are officially on episode 69 today which is <laughs> going to be one of my favorite episodes it also happens to be episode 99 total of the podcast between granny's gay raj the intro episodes the part ones part twos all that stuff it's episode 69 and episode 99 today and i am sitting down here with mr christopher johnson from the passion podcast he is a podcaster entrepreneur artist all these different things and uh just a podcaster that i have kind of latched onto as somebody that i've been watching like throughout the the bit of the journey that i've seen and somebody that i have talked to one of my only people that i have talked to about podcasting and the actual first podcaster to be on my podcast so chris johnson how are you today sir Dude, so good. Thank you for uh, welcoming me on. I didn't know I was such an epic uh, episode number. I'm so excited, dude. <laughs> I was trying to keep that from you like during our little conversation <laughs> yeah. earlier because this is just oh, it's really exciting right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, I feel like that uh, Budweiser select sign, you need to get a custom um, Ostin sign, book of Ostin that could be in the background right there. With the coloring absolutely. and everything, I just like with your shirt. I feel like that's what that should be in the background. Dang, dude, I didn't even realize those are like so similar. Yeah, you think I could just like dismantle this one and put this stuff on yeah. it? Probably, you probably you could take that shirt actually and just cut it out and then find <laughs> the t shirt. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, then you have the sign, man. Look I just wish this sign, I think it has like a short in it or something like that, so it just kind of blinks. Oddly, I can't get it. Dude, to they stay make on. those like neon custom neon signs for relatively inexpensive these days. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. My buddy bucks, uh, Rico yeah. had one. Yeah, and, uh, 200 bucks, you could be pro. In yeah, general, you have the, the whole background. Like, look at all that useful space. You oh yeah, up, like little advertiser things. You could put out pictures of your guests. You could put up whatever you want. Oh yeah, dude, I have so many little knickknacks back here that I would absolutely replace with stuff that was useful. <laughs> yep. yep. Now after this episode, now's the time. No, thanks. See, these are these are the ideas, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I uh, thanks for having me on. This is this is rad. This is the latest I've ever recorded an interview. I think. Really? Yeah. Ten ten fourteen p.m. This is some of the earliest <laughs> that I've recorded. Honestly, this is actually right on par for my podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, I, I have a uh, um, two daughters, seven and ten, so I'm a early early to bed, early to rise kind of wow. guy um, for the most part. Um, and I do all my interviews in person. I don't do remote interviews for my own show. Mm -hmm. And people don't want to meet up in person at 10 p.m. to record, really. <laughs> Not yeah. the people that I interview anyways. They're exactly, you know what I mean? I'm doing it before a show or something or mm -hmm. whatever. They want to be at home with their families, too. So <laughs> this is this is late for me. But things are good. I've, uh, I'm up in the cold. Sounds like it's cold down there, too. But oh, yeah. I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is um, about 90 miles east of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So central Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, it's cold, dude. My car wouldn't start today just because really? it's cold. Yeah, it was negative 15 or something. I don't know. Negative 20 with wind chill. It's nasty. So I've just been inside a lot. I travel a lot. Um, I was in Australia in November. Yeah, November. Going to Costa Rica here uh, pretty soon. But this last couple or the last month and then all of this month is just me sitting inside, spending way too much time editing podcasts. Yeah, because <laughs> it just stays cold there, huh? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah like this is the coldest that we're gonna get so like we should enjoy it quote unquote you know like everybody's freaking out all the supermarkets are completely destroyed right now and like everybody is like end of the world everybody like everywhere closed schools shut down everything and like there wasn't any snow like there's a tiny there was a little bit of snow there sure. wasn't any ice on the roads or anything like that hardly but the whole place shuts down yeah no we we have to power through man honestly yeah. until they started doing like until the pandemic they wouldn't close the schools unless it was really bad because oh. if they close it they have only certain number of days that are like set aside for snow days like they're allowed to have and I'm making up a number like eight per year or something like that. And if they go beyond that, then they have to go school. Like school has to go further into the summer. Right. No one wants to do that. So they, <laughs> they push through that. When I was growing up, it would take a lot. I remember one time it was in, it was with wind chill, but even so it was negative 40. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, that's how nasty it gets around yeah here. there's no heating up a school bus whenever no. and that's going on man no this morning like i had my kids really bundled up for the five minutes they had to wait for the bus because it was negative you know whatever in the morning it was mm -hmm. probably negative 12 negative 15 or something at yeah that's enough to like chap you out yeah yeah it's nasty so it gets really cold um but you know i i, I wish winter wasn't as long as it is but i like having seasons you know, yeah. I like the, the change of things throughout the year. And one thing is like, I've traveled a lot. I've been to a lot of major cities and stuff and I've done interviews in like Austin, Texas. I've been down there to do interviews in New York and LA and stuff. And we, where I live is so cheap that the amount of money I save living here, I can then afford to just go on vacations through the winter. Yeah. And I'm self-employed. I don't have to I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to go anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, most people, they have to go to their job all winter long. Me, like, mm -hmm. ah, dude, I can go take a week and go to L.A. or take a week and go to Florida or take whatever. Or, you know, I can sit inside all day and then I can sit in my hot tub and then come out in front of my fireplace and sit there. I could paint mm -hmm. for a couple hours. I don't, yeah. you know, like I have it. I have it pretty good as far as like being in a cold location. Yeah, <laughs> so that's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the perks of the job, man. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we go any further, I do wanna I do wanna just give you an intro. I feel like it's been so long since I've done this. I've been doing so many like little like bonus episodes or just kind of fun episodes. I have the Granny's Garage episodes I do with my sister, which is like a totally separate deal from the Detours sure. podcast. It's just where we sit down and like basically just kind of like sit down, smoke, drink, and just get kind of crazy and just talk about the things that are going on in life with like the podcast and work and everything like that. And my yeah. sister is just an absolute nut. Rachel is just, she's crazy, man. You know, but, I never uh, understood those. Like, I never got it. I was listening to, I interviewed this dude, Sam Talent, which uh, he's a, an incredible comedian. If you aren't aware of him, you should be aware of him. He has a special on be. Amazon. Um, he has another special, comedy special that just came out on YouTube that got a half, yeah, over, over a half a million views in the first, like, six days. Jeez. He's he's really good, and he had an episode on Joe Rogan. But the podcast you got to listen to with him is with me, obviously. Absolutely, like, like, uh, yes. Um, but it's, a cute, it's a perfect little like yeah. fifty minutes, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was right before his uh, show, and then I got to go like be backstage with him at a show right after, and he crushed. He was so funny. That was the funniest stand up I've ever seen uh, <laughs> in person. But anyways, I was listening to uh, podcast interviews with him to try to like learn more about the guy before I interviewed him because I, a lot of times I interview people that I 
wasn't super familiar with until right. I found out they were coming through the area and then I learned about them. Um, but I was listening to him and he has a podcast and it's called Chubby Behemoth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's him. Yeah, and that's, that's on par. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That are both uh, a large men. Uh, <laughs> and I asked him about this. I think it was off mic. I asked him, I was like, dude, I've never understood. Like, why do so many comedians do podcasts that are about nothing? Like there's no subject. There's not, they just, you talk about nothing. It's all banter, man. Yeah. And well, it is. <laughs> and I was like, but what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. it's funny. I get like, it is funny, but like, what's the point? Cause that's not the type of thing I would personally listen to. Not that it's yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, it's improv. And oh. that was like a light switch went off for me. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. You guys are purposely working on improv. That's the yeah. point of doing it with other comedians is to like come up with jokes inadvertently because you're just doing improv. It's an improv performance of a podcast. I never got that. It Mm. never clicked with me. I always thought they were just talking about nothing for no real reason. And I'm like, what's the, why are you putting all the time and energy into making this at all? Why does anyone care? Besides the fact that it's funny, but really there's nothing, you don't even know what they're going to be talking about. But when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That and makes so much sense, weird. dude. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Probably. And I've been doing a podcast like that. And those are actually some of my favorites, like Two Bears and uh, yeah. Matt and Shane and stuff like that. Those are some of the funniest ones for me. Like, you never know what you're going to get kind of deal. And then yeah. uh, I don't know who was. I think it might have been Rogan was talking about it. Like, uh, he was talking about Theo Vaughn, I think, and how cool. that's where, like, he his solo podcast and, like, some of these ones where he just goes in, like, just banters with people like that's where he pulls a lot of his material from and it's like a little gold mine of just like right. all these little clips and like things getting the gears going for him you know yeah no like i said i just didn't i didn't really understand what the reasoning was yeah for me it was a little maddening because i listened to so many of those when i'm like researching a guest i'm like <laughs> dude i'm not getting any helpful information what am i getting into here dude yeah, yeah. like listening to guys talk about nothing but I was listening to uh, the Joe Rogan episode of Sam Talent. They went on and on about the Dalai Lama licking a boy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like, remember what? that, dude. Yeah, I was like, what are you <laughs> even talking about? I've been listening to you talk about the Dalai Lama for 15 minutes, and I need yeah. to learn about Sam Talent. Like, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude. the good thing about Rogan's is you probably have two and a half other hours to oh, learn. Oh, dude, about I Sam gave Talent. up. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> no. I, mean, I couldn't make it through the whole thing. I, well, I just don't, I didn't have unlimited time. To you don't have the time. Through. Yeah. It was like I want to actually learn something about him. So yeah. <laughs> I listened to other podcasts. And I got I got enough info, but no, I mean I get it. Like the as far as like it just being funny when you don't have a story you're trying to tell, like obviously it leaves the door open for more comedic relief and leaves yeah. the door open for a lot of sweet one liners. Like oh, so definitely blow up on the internet, dude. Like <laughs> learning more about like YouTube Shorts and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can just get sound bites that talk about celebrities and outlandish shit, like that's that's how you go viral. Is that realistically going to get you sustained listenership that like cares about you or what you have to say? Right, right. Maybe not, but will it get views? Probably. Probably. It's going to be a little pop for you there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's I mean, a lot you- of things said on Granny's Gay Garage that uh that might pop a little bit, honestly. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I so. Uh, uh, one of the clips that did pretty well from my interview with Sam Talent that I cut was in it. I was like, so were you just nervous like going into uh, that interview? Because it's like the biggest interview, right? Yeah. And he's like, dude, I drank this like quadruple shot like coffee energy <laughs> drink. 
I was just trying not to shit my pants the whole time. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, he didn't let you go to the bathroom. And he goes, no. I said, what do you mean? He goes, dude, three and a half hours I spent with Joe Rogan. No bathroom breaks at all. Yeah. And I just like laughed. And like that was basically <laughs> the clip I cut and I put it online. And then it just, you That's know, so perfect. Yeah. And then people are like, Joe Rogan gives bathroom breaks. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? He gives I'm, himself bathroom breaks. That's what wow. he does. I've noticed that actually. Yeah. Well, Sam yeah. actually told me though, he was being real. He was like, dude, his security told me if he takes breaks, it's because he doesn't like you. Uh, so yeah. I did not try to take any breaks. Like I wasn't going to be the one to bring it up. There you go. Nice. Yeah. If this All train's right. rolling, let's just keep it going, dude. Yeah. Or another yeah. clip that went well. He said he did some stuff for uh, with Will Smith for TV. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Sam Taylor's just hilarious. But yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere, he's like, dude, I spent three days with Will Smith. And that guy doesn't have any scent. Yeah, I remember him yeah. saying that. Uh, that was, yeah. Like, what is what is he right. mean I was like, by what do you that mean? exactly? Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he has no odor. He doesn't smell like laundry detergent. He doesn't smell like anything. He's just odorless. No deodorant, no nothing. Like, and I was like, what? That would so weird me out, like, probably. That's the kind of perfect clip on the internet that's just like <laughs> hilarious. Because like, what? I never expected to hear that before, like, ever. You know right. I mean? When you think of Will Smith, like, that's not something I would have thought of. I would never like Google it or search it. Yeah. But, like I, I don't think that it. about anybody though. No, the thing. no, but it was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Apparently, I got to <laughs> interview more comedians so that way I can cut out more random clips. But they're not all that funny when they interview, dude. Like I yeah. interviewed a couple other comedians that are pretty big. Those episodes are coming out real soon, and they're mm-hmm. hilarious. Like you watch their standups, but in person during the interview, they didn't. They weren't as like playful, like yeah, yeah, not necessarily fully serious. Mm-hmm. But they weren't like playful one-liner like kind of people, yeah. which would make the interviews bad. But they're not as like clip-worthy. It's not a con like as much of like a comedy like bubbly like, yeah, crazy fun interview. You know, like, huh? Yeah. Maybe yeah. they maybe it's like they 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 kind of like had more of a professional view to it, I guess, maybe or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is neither of them do podcasts or improv. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're both big, like the episodes coming out, because they'll be out probably around the time this comes out, or I don't know when this comes out, but um Dina Hashem, she just had a special come out on Amazon called mm-hmm. uh Dark Little Whispers, but she's pretty big. You look her up on social media. Um, and then Sean Patton, who he's also yeah. he's been around forever. I yeah, he's pretty him big. recently. Yeah, yeah. So his episode's gonna be coming out in a few weeks as well. Um, but neither of them do like improv. Yeah, they both and I talked to him about their comedy. They both like write everything. And that's where their their passion and joy comes from. Like Dina is a, a one of the writers for The Daily Show as well. OK, but like they they like writing. It's not improv. It's totally different. So the when I interviewed them, if you didn't know they were comedians because that was their pr- profession, you wouldn't gather that simply because of like their demeanor or the way they talk. Yeah. Interesting. Like there, I guess there are those types that are like writers by heart kind of deal, you know? Yeah. 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 Just the way they communicate is different. Like I said, people, you know, like I was telling you before we were interviewing, people are different. Like their social media, you know, their on camera face isn't the same as who they are, you know, necessarily. I'm not saying it's totally fake. um, But a lot of times it's, it's just like, there's a filter on there. You know what I mean? They're louder when they're on camera because that's the persona they want to be if they're smart about it they're well some people play a character and do it well but generally speaking if they're smart about it 
It's just an extension of who they are. Right. It's not a lie because if it's mm-hmm. a lie, that's a hard thing to keep up all the time. Yeah. But if it's an extension of them, that's something a little bit more sustainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're on, when they're on camera, they know to kind of like turn up the personality. Mm-hmm. When they're recording a music video, when they're on stage or whatever, they know to turn up that personality, but still yeah. them. And they don't have to like rev at those RPMs all the time. Right. Which can be exhausting. Right. But when you take them out of that, you know, platform that they're used to, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily know how to act. Yeah. Right. Because well, you're catching it. You're catching them idling, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you think like this person who's crazy on social they're media, all always sudden, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not like that when they're like, having breakfast at their parents house <laughs> right you know what yeah. i mean like you're mm-hmm. that's a performance to a certain degree yeah so what kind of what are you going to get from them when you interview them yeah it's hard man our job as podcasters is difficult people think yeah. you just like sit down and talk to people which sounds great and it is fun it's, it's very fun. fun but if you want to be good at it dude it's a skill it takes a lot of preparation it's mm-hmm. stressful like you know, you get desensitized to a certain degree, but like it's public speaking, you yeah. know, anyone who's given a speech when you're recording an interview, you're aware that there's a certain number of people that are going to listen to this or watch it. So like, you know, you're on camera it and there's a potential speaking. for more than you expected as well. Right. And it's right. It's public speaking, but it's not something you just write a speech for. Mm-hmm. Right. It's something that you have to like go into it, try to be as prepared as possible with all these variables that come through the door with the other guest, like with the other person that you're interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my partner, Mary about it. And she was telling me like we were driving somewhere and she was talking and she had listened to the most recent episode or something, which my girlfriend doesn't just sit and listen to my podcast all the time. It's yeah. (laughs) But she had listened to one for whatever reason. Um, And she's like, yeah, I wish you would have asked this thing. And I was like, dude, yeah, me too. Yeah, now that we're thinking about it, yeah. Right. It's like, but <laughs> in the moment, I didn't know where that conversation was necessarily going to go. Yeah. You know, did I had I wrote a roadmap ahead of time of general mm-hmm. questions, like this is kind of what I want to ask. And yeah. I take uh, like commercial breaks during my show and I put in um, songs when it's on the radio and stuff because my show's on the radio where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a chance to kind of like look back over my notes. But it's not a prepared performance that I like know where it's going to go. Yeah, I have to kind of just go with it the best I can. Some people are really easy to interview, like Sam Talent was. Some people aren't. And then when I look back on it and I'm spending hours and hours and hours editing, I'm like, man, I went on the longest monologue there that was totally useless. Yeah, (laughs) because it it segued into something that wouldn't make sense if I cut it. So now I know that this monologue, I don't even want it to be in there is going to be in there. Mm -hmm. Or there's a time I could tell that I like lost my train of thought. So I had to fill the air with fluff or something, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a skill that you, you work on and you slowly get better at, but it's mm-hmm. never, it's never going to be perfect. And I think with people like Dina and Sean, they don't want to be in a position like that. That's why they don't do improv. Yeah. They want to write out and per, like practice their performance, dial it mm-hmm. in and then go on stage and just kill it. They want to be the most prepared that they can be. Exactly. Yeah. That's where they're comfortable. You know what I mean? And yeah. it would be great if I could be, but that's not necessarily how it goes. So yeah, I was going to ask you, well, I was going to ask you, uh, do you, do you have the same problem that I have whenever you go into one of these, like uh, you, you go in and then all of a sudden, like everything. And I tried to stand up a couple of different times. And I remember the second you hop up there, everything just goes like, it's just gone. 
you know, mm. like all of the bits that you had ready to go, you thought were completely dialed in or like I go in and like I go to talk to somebody and I have all these questions that I thought were like cemented in there. And then whenever I go to talk to them, the conversation leads its way around and I never they never come up. I don't know. I don't really run into that. Um, I don't know. I mean, you've been doing it a long time, too, mm -hmm. but I guess I like to think of it as like. I know the destination of where I'm trying to go. I know the general story, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not a highway that's straight from point A to point B. It's a river that's moving around. Yeah. Right? Now, if the river's going too far off, I need to take the fork in the river that's heading back in the right direction. So I have to keep course correcting throughout the interview. Mm -hmm. So that way it never gets too far away. But yeah. another thing I learned, like... It's a life first, of detours, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there, you know, another thing that I learned um, was that if I try to stick to my questions too hard, I'm focused on what I'm going to say next and not what they're saying. Right. Yeah. And when what I realized, and this kind of happened when I started doing video, because I, I could no longer really make cuts without it being obvious. So it's like yeah. I kind of had to just like be looking at them and not looking at my notes. Gotta let it flow, yeah. Yeah, but what I realized was if I'm actually listening to them, whatever question I'm curious of based on what they're saying is probably the same question the listener has. Oh, very sense? interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I need to listen and go intuitively of, well, what would I want to know based on what they just said, because that's also what the listener probably wants to know. Now that comes in with like a, a anxiety of God, I hope I'm thinking the right thing in that moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pressure on myself to come up mm. with that in the moment. Cause it's a to but each their own kind of thing, you know, it is. Yeah. But it, it comes relatively naturally and the more you do it, the better you get at it. And some guests again are just easier at interviewing than other people. Oh, some absolutely. people you lead them into a question you know, and they run with it and they're yeah. incredible and you don't even really have to say much because they're so entertaining. Other mm -hmm. people, you'll set up a, a question like beautifully. Yes. You'll give your whole version of what the question is, your story of it to paint the picture for them and you <laughs> hand it to them just like ready for them to take off. On a platter, like, yeah. Oh yeah, same. I had something similar and you're like, can you, can share you elaborate? It? Yes. Yeah. Dude. And they're like, well, oh. it was just that one time. I always think of this guy. I, I did an interview with a guy. I thought it, he was one of my friends here and he was a, he was a, a bar back of mine. And like, he's been, he's done so many different jobs and he's such a crazy personality. Anytime you talk to him and every time I would ask him a question, the first thing was he was horrible with the microphone. Like he'd be like over off to the side. Yeah, sure. Yeah, man, I was doing this and this and this. And then, uh, he would just give like these like few word answers. And then he gave, he gave me a time constraint whenever we started the podcast. So I was trying to like pull this information out of him. And then within the last like 10 minutes, he tells me not he's, he's a flat earther. Um, oh, he, I believe it was like Scientology or something like that. And I had like five minutes to try and like pull some of this information out of him after having two, three word answers the entire time. He gets wow. so excited about this stuff. And then all of a sudden our time's gone. I'm like, dude, like I worked so hard to yeah. get, to this point that we could have started at kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I've had people tell me like when they want to go listen to the show or whatever, they're like, yeah, I'll start at the beginning. And I'm like, don't, <laughs> like, don't do yeah. that. Like, am yeah. I, do I think the first episode ever was horrible? No, I don't think it was horrible. I think it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but each episode is its own thing. 
there's no reason to listen to the episodes in order. Yeah. It's not like there's like a progression of stories, a progression of quality in my skill level, I suppose, to a certain degree. Would you notice it over a period of time? But yeah. like, would you notice it? I would notice it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to whatever guest sounds interesting, because the reason I say that is some of them aren't going to be good, man. Like, yeah. it doesn't really matter how good you are in, of an interviewer if the person's just not good at speaking. Like, yeah. there's only so much you can do. There's some interviews, and I'm not going to point out which ones because I don't want to throw and them under the bus. Shit on guess. Yeah, but, like, yeah. <laughs> there are some. Like, as an example, Sam Talent was an exceptionally good guest. Yes. He was just really interesting without me. It just did felt I, like it meshed so well. Exactly. Did I feel like I did a good job with the interview? Totally. But like mm -hmm. he also made it really, really easy and was really interesting. Yeah. Not every person I interview is going to be as good of an episode. Mm -hmm. So it just is what it is. Sometimes you have to chalk it up like afterwards and go, well, I did the best I can. Hopefully I'm a slightly better interviewer in the future now because I, if I run into these things, I'll know how I'll navigate them. And that's just not the best episode ever. And it is what it is. There's 68 yeah. more. You yeah. I mean? And we're, we're, we're here. Like we put out content like, Right. Sometimes I put out episodes that like I'm not like even during the, the interviews, I'm like, I, you know, like my energy wasn't all the way there. Maybe their energy wasn't all the way there. And like, yeah, like you can feel it whenever you go to edit it and things like that. And you're like, but this is the content that I had. And like, I put a lot of work into this and it's still, you know, if it's not my hundred percent best episode, it's like, it's like a 60%, you know, and like, I yeah. still would stand behind it somewhat, you know? Well, and you keep getting better, right? Because a year from now, a 60% of your best is going to be better. A hundred percent that you had before. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So like, you just, you keep doing that. And the other thing is like, you know, there's this whole self-love movement and I'm all about it. Like I, I get it. But the big thing is like, dude, just if you're doing the best you can, like stop being an asshole to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, the best you, you did the fucking best you could. Dude. You're the biggest, you're your biggest critic. Yeah, dude. I beat myself up all the time. And yes. one thing I have to remind, like remind myself when I watch some of these ones or listen to them and I'm editing them and I'm being critical of whatever. It's like, I did the best that I could in that moment with what I had period. Yeah. You know, maybe I made a mistake somewhere, whatever I was too tired or I was whatever the thing yeah. was still in the moment. I did the best I could at that point in time. For the next one, I know what I'm going to do better. So that way, my best is going to be better. But yeah. it already happened. Like, I did the best I could in that moment. It happened. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Yep. This Moving is what on. I have. This is what I have. Yeah. And that's what you're going to get either way, honestly. Yeah. Well, it's podcasting. It's not an album. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not, you don't get a bunch of takes to try to make this thing perfect. And yes, it's, as, it's, it's, it's almost as live. It's, it's not live, but it is. It's you fairly know? close to live. Yeah, There's only it's as so close to live as you're going to get, really. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to edit out a ton. You know, yeah, I'm not going to go in and make this thing like short little choppy bits of like no, small no. conversations here and there, you know? Yeah. Which honestly, though, that's kind of the move. Like, it's not, it's the move when it comes to like YouTube and that type of thing. Yes. For you sure. Know what I mean? yeah. Cutting out segments, saying mm -hmm. like, you know, from like this episode. Yeah, from this episode, right? Like you could cut out a segment that said like, you know, Sam, or Chris talking about, you know, Chris's interview with Sam Talent. And that's yeah. a three minute segment. So people are when they're looking, it's like, oh, I'm interested in that particular portion right. of this interview because I don't want to watch it 90 minutes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, the situation. <laughs> whatever we end up at. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's how it is with all these YouTube shorts and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. It's like you can 
after the fact, you can cut all of these. And realistically, if you're doing it right, you're going to get way more people that are going to watch just the clips yeah. than you are going to listen to the entire episode. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, some yeah. of my clips have as many episodes or as many views as like a good collection of the episodes themselves. Yeah, totally, yeah. dude. I mean, that's I like haven't even really jumped into the uh, the shorts deal, but the little bit that I have, and honestly, I feel like it's it's a very good like outlet for for content. as far as growing right now youtube shorts for sure is the best one yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to start doing more on that man because it's such a it's such a good good thing it's like it's it's like instagram stories kind of deal you know like the stories is fantastic it is but it's a much higher um growth yeah right like i was looking at my youtube analytics and like 98 percent of people that have viewed my content over the last I think the lifetime of the channel, I don't know, like forever. 98% are people that don't subscribe to me. Really? Right? Versus on Instagram, how many people see your content that don't subscribe or that don't follow you? Very a few. Whole lot, yeah. Unless you have something go viral. And even yeah. then, that's not going to be through an Instagram story. Yeah. It's going to be through an actual post. Mm -hmm. You don't want to post a million clips of content because people are going to get sick of seeing your shit so often. Yeah. So you're not going to post as much. You want with Instagram, in my opinion, you want to go quality over quantity. You don't mm -hmm. want to just like spray stuff all the time because people aren't going to continue to give that attention. Try to yeah. get better quality. Um, versus they're your actual followers. Right. Versus yeah. something like YouTube shorts. Dude, I will cut up an episode that's 45 minutes into 50 clips, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Whole damn episode almost. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll, I'll post those every, you know, a, another one every two to six hours mm -hmm. and then a 10 hour time frame when I'm sleeping slash get up and have my coffee. But like right. I will space them and I and I'll have them all uploaded with all the descriptions and everything fully ready. So on my phone, I literally just hit publish. You yeah. know, that's all I have to do. But I'll do that. So they come out every, you know, two to six hours all week long. And they who knows what's going to go, dude? Some yeah, them, like I, the ones that you don't even like are going to be the ones that take yeah, off. But on that platform, it's it's about quantity more than it is about quality. Yeah, like I can look at them. Go, I I had one do like five thousand some views that I posted like yesterday, um, on YouTube, like on uh, YouTube Shorts, right? Mm -hmm. Not that much different than the other like six clips I posted from the same interview. Mm -hmm. Same camera angles, same people talking, talking about similar things like this is not. And some of these other ones have like 100 views. Now, is the that one that has 5000, is it 500 times as good? Of a, <laughs> right. Like, no, it's not 500 times the quality of no. a clip. It's just the algorithm. That's the one that hit, you know, it's yeah, the one that caught, the, caught you, the eye. Or... Posting all that. I don't see subscribers unsubscribing. Yeah. Right. Versus on Instagram. If You'll you were making them. five posts a day using clips, you're going to have a lot of people unfollow yeah. you because mm -hmm. they don't want to see you in there. Because you're just clogging up their feed. Yeah, they don't want to yeah. see that shit. But that's yeah. just not how YouTube, that's not how the platform works. So Interesting. in my opinion, if you want to grow, cut your clips out and then use the best ones. Like you could post them first on YouTube, whichever ones work better on YouTube, then take those top few and use those ones on Instagram. Be more selective. The ones that you actually post to your reels, like like a hard post, have yeah. those only be a few of them, like the absolute best ones. 
And then yeah. on your stories, you can be more liberal and do, you know, one a day all week long. So you have seven, but on YouTube, you know, YouTube shorts, you could put up 40 of them. So yeah. this is big stuff, guys. If you're not taking notes, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Honestly. I mean, if you want to go, <laughs> I'm telling you from experience, man, like learn from me because I took a long time to figure that out. Yeah. What's <laughs> funny is one of, one of my last questions yeah. was going to be, what advice would you give? And it's just like, this is constant advice, you know, like, dude. Yeah. Well, it's more, like, like, this is stuff that is floating around in your head. Just this is what I've always been, all I've the been time. spending all the time working on, man. I yeah. get like, I'll spend eight hours a day and I'm not kidding. It's not, I'm not going to my job at the hospital for eight hours coming home and working on this for 30 minutes. I'm working on it all goddamn day. Yeah. My, my partner, Mary, she's a uh, post office carrier, like postal carrier. And so I'll wake up, have coffee. She'll leave for work pretty shortly after my kids will get on the bus at eight 15 or well, yeah, they'll leave the house at like eight o'clock or eight ten, excuse me. And then until four o'clock, that's just about eight hours. I'm sitting here all day long working on this cutting. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. And when cutting, editing, yeah. <laughs> what, writing what, descriptions, you know, what I've realized is like, it feels like I'm not making progress a lot of the times, you know, cause I'm spending so much time. Um, but as long as I figure out at least something every day, even if it's something really small, as long as I figure out something, it ends up making a huge difference. Yeah. And that's where I see all that progress come from. You're not going to figure everything out in one go. But as long yeah. as you're consistently figuring out something, even if it's tiny, it will make a big difference. Like yeah. for me, when I figured out that um, I could upload all of my like YouTube shorts from my phone, mm. but I could leave them as unlisted rather than posting them right then. So that way uh. I could upload a bunch of them and yeah. then have them just ready. That was huge. And yeah. then when I realized that I could go on YouTube studio on my laptop and then I could go to those unlisted clips cause they're already in there. And mm -hmm. then I could put in the description and I could put in the suggested video that I want to show after that. Like after someone watches it, what's the recommended video? I can pick which one I want nice. for that. Yeah. Right. I can pick the dates. I can put in the, the keywords and the locations and all that. When I yeah. realized I could do that, that was huge. When I realized that I could put a template in for like hashtags. So that way, if all of I'm posting 40 clips from Sam talent, you know, each clip I'm probably going to use for the like 80% of the hashtags I'm going to use are going to be the same. Yeah. You're going to be Sam talent, Sam talent interview, passion pod, Sam talent, passion pod, you know, whatever mm. I can have all those saved in a template. So for all 40 of these clips, instead of typing all those out, yes. when I go do it, I'm just like right clicking pop, has all those. And now I only have to put in a couple hashtags that are relevant to that specific one. It's that was like a big one for me on my, like my, uh, my actual like feed post was I have yeah. like the last bit of my, uh, my post is like click here to, or find it in my bio and all this stuff. And then it'll have like a thing about like, if you want to find the podcast here and here, and then I have my hashtags underneath that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, that's what I'm saying is it's like each one of those little things. Yeah. Saves you so much time. It does. And when so you, you, you know, when you compound all of those, mm. now all of a sudden you're making huge strides. Yeah. You're not going to figure Because if you did out. every one of those for every episode. Right. Dude, you, you, you're already stretched thin time would be completely non-existent. Right. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like I said, as you, as you just keep figuring out little things, just mm -hmm. again, be kind to yourself. If you're putting in the time and you're trying, 
you know, celebrate the small victories because they add up. As long yeah. as you continue with it, mm-hmm. they'll add up, you know. And and that's the biggest part is just sticking with it, dude. Like most people yeah. give up. You know, if the people who outlast, like look at Joe Rogan again as as an example, like was that dude king of the world when he had 69 episodes? Nobody gave a shit when he had 69 yeah. episodes. No, you he's I mean? still doing them in his living room with fucking right. Red Band. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When he hit 200 episodes, does anyone care? No. It's dudes out like 2,000 some interviews, right? Yeah. How many podcasts out there have 2,000 interviews? I can't name a single one, dude. I don't think I, I can't think of a single other one, actually. Right. Yeah. So then naturally, would his be best? I mean, probably. Yeah. Because he's, he's done the work. Of them, right. Yeah. So, and a lot of these people who do podcasts too, it's not even their first one. They've done other ones in the past. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's what I'm saying is like, if you just keep going, by the time you're hitting 200 episodes, you're probably going to be pretty good. As yeah. long as you just keep working on it, you just got to be patient and know there's not shortcuts. You just yeah. keep fucking working on it. You'll get there. It just takes yeah. time. Damn, yeah. And it is a lot of work, but. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So before we go any further, I do want to, uh, I want to get back to like the meat of the podcast because I want to get this part in because i want to learn a lot about you like yeah. yourself not so much about like the passion podcast or um about the uh the skate shop or anything like that mm-hmm. i want to see what led you to these things because um whenever i first started this podcast i wrote a book a couple of years ago and one of the biggest quotes from that was i am the product of all my precisely fallen life events so all these things that have happened to me all these things that i've done have kind of the way that I have dealt with those things have made me the person that I am and all these different trajectories that they have set me on have kind of led me to be where I am right now. So starting at the beginning, you're a Midwesterner. I do want to know, what does that mean to you? That was, that's a big one for me because I don't know what that means. I'm a, I'm a Southerner, man. Like we don't, we don't understand we're like, you know, we don't learn a lot about people other than Southern people probably, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's one of them. I, I suppose. Say. Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if you want to learn about Midwesterners, look up uh, Charlie Barron's. Uh-huh. You know that guy? No. Wait. Oh, you know that guy. You've seen I him. know that guy, but I don't know why I know that guy. He's the Wisconsin guy. Okay. He's got <laughs> millions and millions of followers on every platform, like ev- on all platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all of them. And all mm-hmm. of his content is him being from the Midwest. Like... Oh, I suppose. Let me squeeze right past yeah. you. Like the the well kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot exactly. of those. Yeah, You got to look him up. He's so funny. Barron's <laughs> is B-E-R-E-N-S. He's, he's a gem. Um, That's awesome. No, but, So know. like you're, well, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Keep going. What does it mean to you? Midwest is, is just like a more quiet, like friendly atmosphere, which I guess like people say that from the South. Um, everybody has their own experiences, right? But I think what people like about the Midwest is it's like, there's no, people aren't pretentious here at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people are very like much, they're very kind. They're for the most part, pretty open-minded. It's a very relaxed space, which I guess is similar to the South in that way. We just don't have all that pressure. People who live like when I go to LA or New York, it's so just like rat race, like God all the time. And I get why, like, it's because everyone's out there on a mission. Like it's hard to live in places like that. A lot of competition. Ton of competition, no matter what you're doing. And you're there with a goal in mind. And anybody who's not helping you achieve that goal is just wasting your time. So you're yeah. like, go. 
where I live, dude, it's not like that. Like, no, there, it's not hard to make a living here because yeah. housing is not expensive. Everything's just kind of available. So it's much more, much more laid back. So people always say Southern hospitality, but people also say Midwest nice. I yeah. Guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's similar and it depends on what part of the Midwest you're from too. Like yeah. you're just a little bit harder than Canadians, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, dude, I don't know. I've lived here pretty much my whole life and I've traveled a lot. I think I've been to like 11 countries. I've been to 36 States or something. Like, I've been around. I just love where I live, dude. It's quiet. It has everything I need. I'm 90 miles East of Minneapolis, meaning like if I want to go see a major performance or something, like it's, right there. it's not yeah. hard to go. How often are you really going to go see a stadium show anyways? Right. Once a year, maybe like I can drive the hour and a half to go see one once in a while. I live 10 minutes away from AT&T right now. Yeah. But how many times you go there? I've literally been in there one time. See, <laughs> I've lived here for That's four years, bro. That's <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't go do those things anyways. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's rare. So, but for where I live, dude, like, I, I don't know what it costs there, um, but in comparison to a lot of big cities, my house costs very little and I have a huge amount of space. Yeah. So, and, and it's just not, like I said, it's just not competitive, mm -hmm. which has its drawback of being, you don't have other people around you that really inspire you, right? Yeah. You don't have other people doing cool things that are like, oh, you know, and there's not as much community that are like chasing dreams. So you mm -hmm. don't have that camaraderie in that kind of way, yeah. but there's also no pressure. So for yeah. me, I like living here. There's no crime. It's just mellow. I have everything that I need. My town's got 70,000 people, so it's not tiny. It has yeah. all the things that I need. And Minneapolis is close by, which is a, mm. a big city. That's a big one, yeah. And I can just come home to this, dude. Like, I can go to L.A. for a week and be involved in all that and do the yeah. networking and, and interview people and do whatever, get the taste of it, get all the work done that I want to get done, and I can fly home and be in my quiet, happy space. And yeah. Northern Wisconsin's gorgeous, dude. Like, Oh, I bet, man. Incredible. Like, are you yeah. out, like, are you out rural or are you in, you said 70,000. So yeah. yeah. Central, but I have a cabin on a lake up in the, uh, Shawamaga national forest is called, nice. um, but it's like all gravel roads for like miles and miles around it. It's mm -hmm. like beautiful. There's nobody around. Um, but the land, like, you know, Minnesota, they call the land of 10,000 lakes, but Wisconsin has over 15,000. Like we have Jeez. a ton, you know, yeah. we, people think of Wisconsin as being like farmland and we have yeah. some of that in like central yeah. southern Wisconsin, but the whole northern half of our state is just like gorgeous, dude. Yeah. And the fact that all that is like right at my fingertips to me is just like perfect, man. Like I, yeah. if I had to move anywhere else, maybe Colorado. Oh, <laughs> but there I mean, you go. Yeah, that's the only thing that would compete probably. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to live. I don't like being in big cities. I don't like being yeah. around a ton of people all the time. Yeah, that like, drives me crazy, man. And I, I live right people. in the middle of it. Well, and that's what people from the South like, too. It's like yeah. the having that community, knowing your neighbors and stuff like yeah. that's a lot of those same things are up north. We're just not as stark Christians as a lot of the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which sounds actually nice. If that, you know. Yeah, for me personally. Not knocking you, yeah. but that's not my... No, but I mean, that's a big thing, right? The Bible yeah. Belt and all that. Like, oh, that's for sure. Our, yeah, I grew up at, so I'm I'm actually from Arkansas. I live in Texas now. Oh, God, yeah. But, so I grew up in a town of 5,000 Arkansas has some beautiful stuff, dude. I, oh, I was there not long ago, and I went hiking and stuff. There's some gorgeous Oh, oh it's absolutely gorgeous. Arkansas. The whole thing across the board is yeah. fantastic, but then you start dealing with the people. Right. You're like, oh, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> These mm -hmm. people have been in the hills for a long time. 
I mean, it kind of depends on where too, right? Like, absolutely. My yeah. city, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, is like the bluest city in my state. Interesting. It's very, very liberal. Where, like, you know, the artist Boney Bear. You've no. heard Boney Bear. He uh, won. Probably. He won a Grammy. He did a whole album with Taylor Swift. They're oh wow, it's okay. indie music, but he's massive, dude. Mm. He's, he's good friends with Kanye West and Aaron Rodgers, and he's hell yeah. <laughs> he lives in my city. He's from my city. Yeah, he's like our local celebrity. Um, but anyways, our town, especially after one, he won his Grammy, which was quite a while ago now, we're very much like an arts and music city. We're yeah. super, super liberal, very artsy, cool town, very hip. <laughs> um, but <laughs> if you go 15 miles away to, or 10 miles away to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, which is basically a suburb of my town. I've heard of that. Like, Chippewa Falls. Is that from a book or a movie or something? Have you ever seen Titanic? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Okay. Yeah. That's where, yeah. He talks about growing up on Lake Wasota and Chippewa Falls. Whoa. But it's a tiny little town, dude. Like, I don't yeah. even know what the population is 10,000 or something. I don't know. It's Maybe. little. Yeah. But it's like a suburb of Eau Claire, basically. Okay. It's just north of us by 10 miles, if that. Mm -hmm. But, anyways, you go to that city, way different, dude. Way more rednecks. You go north oh, yeah. of that. And it's just rednecks the whole way. If you like yeah. look at, and I'm not trying to talk politics, but just in general, like if you look at like how the counties vote, yeah. Eau Claire is bright, bright, bright blue. Madison, blue. Milwaukee, blue. You might get some blue in like Appleton, Green Bay. Mm -hmm. The rest of the state, dude, is just red. I feel like that's a lot of the states. And that's what's crazy is like the population dense places have the, like that's, they do, that's yeah. the blue. And then it goes red as it goes out. Because well, it's yeah. Well, I I'm, I don't I don't I don't know anything about politics, but I feel like it comes down to like individual liberties get into the mix. Yeah, I mean, part of it too is like also Democrats and liberals in general prefer to spend more. They want to mm -hmm. have more programs that for people. They want to put more money into like taxes. The big thing is you know is conservatives will always say that you know Democrats are going to raise our taxes. Well, when you live in a more remote area, you don't you're only on your property. You don't yeah. care about the park systems, the sidewalks and the yeah. library. Like you don't give a shit about any of that. Yeah. You live the welfare system or anything like that. Yeah. Right. And none of your family is on it. Yeah. It's not relevant, you know, yeah. versus if you live in a big city, you know, a lot of people everywhere about what public transit situation looks like. You know what I mean? You care about what the library is like. You care about if there's a new park system being put over there. You care about it just about different things. So yeah. generally speaking, cities, the vast majority of the time, they you have a lot more liberal people. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the money gets spent, too. And I feel like that's maybe yeah. where they where they're coming from. Like if you're out there on a farm by yourself and you're putting taxes in and the money is going into those cities, you're not seeing a lot of it, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and the laws are just, you know, they're towards different types of people too. Like conservatives, the laws benefit the older, more established crowd for the most part. That's why the yeah. baby boomers, you know, all vote Republican for the most part. Because yeah. um, they want with, to keep their money. Yeah. But like, <laughs> dude, young people don't own farms. Yeah. They live in the city. So yeah. that's where it's going to be more concentrated. But yeah. Anyways, that's a whole political. That's thing. the whole. That's the whole political. But, thing, but, so. but Eau Claire, where I live, anyways, is like it's an artsy, you know, kind of hip, yeah. cool, cool, cool town. It sounds like the like the Deep Ellum of uh, Dallas kind of deal. 
I don't know. You know anything I think about Deep Ellum. No, but I went to Austin, Texas, and I thought it was rad, which was That's, surprising. So Austin is like if Deep Ellum was the whole city, probably. Oh, okay, cool. Because like I, I've heard from so many people in LA, um, which I sound like I'm saying LA all the time. Like I think that's cool. I don't think that's cool. Yeah. I just did a lot of interviews out there. <laughs> yeah. At the earlier on in my show, I wasn't established enough where I could just reach out to people. If I wanted to get mm-hmm. someone relatively big, it was like Good I had to go. know someone who knew someone. So I kind of built a network in L.A., so that's why I would go there. But anyways, out in L.A., people all the time are talking about everyone's moving to Austin. Yes, and yeah. don't get me wrong. I don't like L.A. either. Like, I don't It's cool to visit. I would never want yeah. to live there. Um, the air smells like poison. There's homeless people everywhere, which yeah. homeless people, there's – I'm not saying they're bad people. There's usually PTSD and other issues. It's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> other subject. Kind of worms, yeah. But I wouldn't want to live there. But everyone yeah. there was talking about, oh, Austin, Texas is the new L.A. Everyone's moving to Austin. Uh-huh. I was like, dude, Texas sounds awful. Like, no offense, but it just sounds like the way that the rest of the country paints Texas <laughs> is pretty accurate. Yeah, dude, it just sounds not good. So, I'm an Arkansan that moved here. And I realized that every stereotype that you have heard is 100 yeah. percent true. Yeah, And there are nice people and there's things there, but it, it's yeah. it's it's not I don't want to live in Texas, but. <laughs> I um, I did go down to Texas for the first time last year. Um, uh-huh. This was a dream come true, actually. I I've gotten to the point where I just DM people that I'm fans of because I want to interview yeah. them. Like maybe they'll say yes. Mm. And so I DM this dude Michael Sieben, who he's the managing editor of Thrasher. You know Thrasher. Oh, sick. I saw that on your uh, Instagram earlier. I was looking. Yeah, at the yeah. Bit, so yeah. I, um, I DM'd him like, "Yo, dude, I would love." And he's also an illustrator. He like he he has a degree in fine oh, art. Sick. So. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of his artwork, but also like I own a skateboard shop. I've skated my whole life. So like Thrasher is like the biggest publication, the biggest one that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, I DM'd him um, and I was like, any chance you do an interview? And he was like, yeah, sure. Like we doing it over Zoom or what? And I was like, nah, dude, I'll drive to Texas. I'm coming to you, buddy. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, what? I was like, yes, I will drive from Eau Claire, Wisconsin to Austin, Texas. Absolutely worth it for me person. to talk to you, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, okay like, yes dude yeah. so i took a whole road trip and it was just an excuse i wanted to go on a road trip. Uh, <laughs> right it, it was it's a excuse. pretty good excuse though it was a good excuse i also yeah. went down to mardi gras and did the whole thing i had a good time mm. it, was a, it was a cool trip um wow. but anyways i went down to austin and i i actually can understand what everyone was saying yeah when they're like dude austin's new la people are moving there it's like dude texas no but yes, Austin. actually visiting Austin, I was like, dude, this actually is a dope city. Like it's it dope. didn't feel like this conservative Christian weird. Aggressive it didn't feel like that. Place. In yeah. fact, it was the Austin weird everyone talks about. But yeah, dude, it yeah. It was like <laughs> full of art and it was just like it had a really cool, really cool vibe. So even though it's in Texas, it didn't feel like Texas. And I guess all that's to say is it every state is so diverse. It depends on where you're at. Depends exactly. on each individual community, which can yeah. change from decade to, to decade, depending on who the leaders are within that community. It can, mm-hmm. You know, it, there's so much variety within it where it just depends on where some areas of Wisconsin, I would never want to live. Yeah. <laughs> where I do live is rad. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I would. I do recommend if you ever come to the DFW area, go to the go to Deep Ellum. It's it's wild. It's a little bit crazy, but it is the like there's an arts district kind of in that area around it. D- Deep Ellum is like a very small portion of it, but everything kind of branches 
around that. Like Deep Ellum's right here. Downtown is right next to it. Like because you have like the huge like hotels and like the like yeah. real pompous types here, and then you have your full blown arts right here. Like these people are like dirty dive bar having a great time over here. Cool. There's art all over every wall, like murals painted everywhere, and like it's just it's a fantastic. And place that's Arlington or Dallas? That is Dallas. Arlington is the most small town. 500,000 person place you'll ever be like everybody <laughs> somehow knows everybody here. I don't understand how that works. This place sure. feels like Conway, Arkansas. Yeah. And it's fucking Arlington, Texas. I don't understand how this works man. it's crazy. What keeps you down there? Why do you want to stay? in? Texas? I found a lady down here and I had, uh, I now have a child with her and she loves it here. And I make a lot of money here. And like, it's for the time being, this is the most practical place for us to be, I think. Sure. Yeah. Makes Even sense. though I have put forth very aggressive stands to move out of here, it's just every time we do the pros and cons list, it's like I get out, I get overruled every time, dude. Yeah. Well, and again, it depends, right? Like there's within every city, there's cool people. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm in a very so good little area. Yeah, if you it, surround yeah. yourself with people that you like and there's cool mm -hmm. places and stuff, like if you yeah. just surround yourself with the things that you enjoy, you can make it, you can have a cool life in a lot of places. Anywhere, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just stay out of the bullshit is what you really got to do. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I do want to take it back. Like I said, product of all your precisely fallen life events. I want to start at the very beginning. I would like to take it back even before you. Let's talk a little bit about your parents, if you will. Like what led them to you, you know, like what did your parents do? Uh, well, my mom was a elementary school teacher her whole career. And my dad uh, was a fisheries technician for the DNR for his whole career. So they're both government workers mm -hmm. doing stuff that they cared about. Um, they met when they were in college in southern wisconsin they're both from like antioch illinois kenosha wisconsin like right by the border okay um and they started dating when they were like 18. Mm -hmm. um and then they eventually got jobs where i like in the area of where i live and i have one older sibling um, she's two years older than me. She lives in Brooklyn, New York. She works for Google and makes a pile of money. She has her doctor degree. She's awesome. Your sister does. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, so they had her and then they had me two years later and they actually bought the house that I'm in currently the one that I own now. Yeah. Um, when I was two years old. So in 1992, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess I grew up here. I was born in i think wausau which is a little more east of here um my parents weren't even living in wausau that was just like the closest hospital at the time the, the good hospital to go to yeah. yeah they were just kind of bouncing around you know what i mean in their 20s mm -hmm. or whatever kind of figuring it out yeah um, i know my dad spent some time he was originally going to college for like computer science and then decided he didn't want to work on computers so he took longer to get his degree interesting um, which he eventually got in uh, marine biology. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 I don't, I guess before I was born, my parents, yeah, they both were already doing like my mom was a teacher and my dad worked for the DNR before I was born. Um, and like I said, I think they were just bouncing around to wherever they could get the job. Cause with like the yeah. DNR, they don't have a bunch of positions. 
What is what does DNR stand for? Uh, Department of Natural Resources. Okay, that's that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. you know, there's only so many offices in the whole state. Yeah. It's not exactly. like there's a ton of them, and even within each office, they only have like a couple fisheries technicians. So you yeah. kind of have to go wherever you can get a job. Mm -hmm. Same way with teaching to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and they just ended up finding Eau Claire because my my dad had a job in Chippewa Falls, which mm -hmm. I mentioned. He that's where he was working. Um, and my mom was at this tiny school in Durand, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is a very, very like 45 minutes away from where I live. Um, tiny town, but that's where she had gotten a job. And yeah. Eau Claire was kind of in the middle. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they settled there. They that's bought, where the, the roots kind of set in for you. Yeah. And in 91 or something, right around that time frame, um, Eau Claire was like, it was a big logging town. It's called Eau Claire because it stands for clear water. Like it means clear water in French. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's on the confluence of two, two rivers. My city is. It's right on, on the water. It's okay. gorgeous. If you ever come up here, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the main careers were logging. Um, and then there's a huge factory downtown, really close to my store, actually, called Banbury Place. But um, which is full of all these different businesses now, but back mm -hmm. in the day, it was a tire, it was a tire factory, uh, a Uniroyal tire factory. And when that went out of business, when they shut down that factory, it shut down like, you know, 10% of the employment for the city. Oh yeah. Huge hit. So yeah. when that happened, people moved and houses were dirt cheap. Oh yeah. So my parents bought the house I have now. I think they paid, I mean, this was, you know, 30 years ago, but still, I think they paid 67,000 for it. And it's oh, on wow. half an acre. It's a four bedroom house, two bathroom. I got a screened in porch. It's 2000 square feet. It's like a pretty nice house. Yeah. And they paid 67,000 for it back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long you want me to go up through my. Oh, no. I'd, so I, so I'd like to just go like linearly, like, so led yeah. through like going into, uh, like you, you grew up, are you just a hundred percent Eau Claire? Like you lived your whole life in Eau Claire? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I was two when my parents bought this house. So, okay. but yeah, yeah, I spent my whole life here. And I then, so they've had those same jobs. Um, pretty much. I mean, neither of my parents work now. Oh, um, well, of course. Yeah. Hopefully, but, right. Uh, yeah, they had those jobs like my whole, my whole life growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I grew up in this house. I went to a Catholic elementary school, not because either of my parents were like super religious, but just like private school at smaller class sizes. Yeah. My Seems mom was like the better education. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It, it genuinely was. Because um, mm -hmm. when I went from private school to public school uh, in middle school, I was ahead in everything. Yeah. Which I wasn't when I was in private school. Like I got good grades, but I wasn't like ahead. But when yeah. I went to public school, I was like way ahead. Oh, you were killing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it actually does. They actually are ahead, at least at that school. So I went to a, a school called St. James, um, played a bunch of sports and stuff, grew up. Then I went to public school for middle school through high school, went to DeLong Middle School, and um, then to North High School, it's called, graduated yeah. in 2008. Um, after I graduated high school, I went to Duluth, Minnesota um, for a year for college. Okay. for business and decided I just had no real reason to go to college to sell stuff. Cause I knew how to sell stuff. I was already yeah. in sales and stuff by that point. Um, and I made the Dean's list. I just didn't think I needed it. So I dropped yeah. out and 
kind of climbed the corporate ladder doing sales jobs. And I took a job uh, in Burnsville, which is like Minneapolis, you know, yeah. Minneapolis area. So I took a job in Minneapolis and lived there for a year. Didn't like living in a big city. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't like the corporate feel. Yeah. I didn't like that either. Um, yeah. And then my, it was, it's, that's a long story. Um, but my parents split up. My dad had a heart transplant and some family stuff. And my dad needed someone to take care of him. And we don't have any other family in the area. So yeah. I kind of had to move back to Eau Claire to take care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to be back anyways. And yeah. then from then on, I've stayed in Eau Claire. And I'll be here until my kids graduate high school. I don't have any reason to leave. Well, you love it there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to know when did uh when did skating come into the in the mix? Dude, it's hard to like I was young. It's hard to know. I don't want to say it's because of the Tony Hawk video games, but probably yeah. <laughs> they were so huge, dude. Well, yeah, at yeah. the time, you know. Yeah. Um I would have been I was born in the spring of ninety. Um mm. and I think the first Tony Hawk game came out in ninety nine. Okay. And I and everyone got a skateboard for, you know, Christmas, <laughs> their birthday, whatever during yeah, that absolutely. time frame. Everyone did. Mm-hmm. Um and most people just like gave up on it. And I yeah. just like didn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kept doing it. So I started around that time frame, nine, ten. I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's probably what it is. I mean, there was there was also like a neighbor at my cabin. So my mom was a teacher. So I'd spent the summers up living at my cabin. Um, And there was another kid. There used to be a skateboarding camp up there called Lake Owen, which was on Lake Owen. It was like close by. Um, But like big name pros and stuff worked there. It was like the Woodward that you see now. Like if you look up Woodward, there's TV show on there. It was like that, a little smaller, but still. It was a skate camp that you could pay for a week to go. Way too expensive. My parents never let me go. But there's (laughs) There was a different kid um, on the lake. You know, he would come up and visit his grandparents. He's actually from Saudi Arabia. His name was Khalid. And um, so they, they were filthy rich. But oh, yeah. he went to skate camp or whatever for the week. And after he got back, I was like, what? Skateboarding? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hell I remember, yeah. Like going out into their garage um, and him letting me like try his skateboard. And the rest of the family was like out. Um, this is a cabin. So like all the neighbors and stuff too, everyone's like having a campfire outside and I'm in the garage, like dicking around with the skateboard. And he kind of shows me how to Ollie. And I was just like, so determined. I ended up staying in that garage for like three hours by myself until I figured out how to Ollie like a centimeter high. Yeah. And from then you hit that first one, man, dude, exactly. And then it was like, so magical. (laughs) Um, and then I got a, I got my own board real shortly yeah. after that, and then just did the whole rest of my life. Still do it. I don't do it nearly as often as I used to, but I still do it relatively. I mean, uh, so I started skating whenever I was like probably whenever I was like ten or so. I was born in '96, so this was like hmm. 2006 or so. And yeah. I had played I had played the Tony Hawk games and stuff, but I was uh, I, I say too little, but honestly, I wasn't. You know, you see little kids yeah. skating all the time now. But uh, by the time I hit like middle school, like I was starting to make friends and stuff, and like everybody skated down in Mena, Arkansas. Like we had like you'd just go out to like the funeral home and you'd hit their fucking uh, what like the little gap or whatever. Yeah, the little gap, and like you'd hit like the uh, the handrails and stuff like that. And like there's a post office with like a three foot thing that you would jump off and and stuff. And like all of them were illegal to be skating on, apparently. 
but well, uh, yeah, it still is. They just they don't enforce them much <laughs> like they used to. We used to run from the cops all the time. It's a yeah. two hundred and thirteen dollar fine in my city for skateboarding, but cops don't give tickets. Anymore. Oh no, they haven't been years. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so much fun, man. And like I remember, we would just roll around town. And yeah. like you could get anywhere on that skateboard. It was like having a bike, but like you would have so much fun in between where you were going. Yeah, I would know? take the city bus when I was like 14. I would take the city bus downtown to the local skate shop that used to exist called Underloud. Mm -hmm. And then like whatever, this was before cell phones, you know. And so you'd go down there. And once you had a squad of three, four kids that wanted to skate, which everyone did after school, they all went there. Oh, yeah. Then you'd go out and skate until you got kicked out of a spot or until you had to run from the cops from, you know, one of the spots downtown. Yep. You'd all go hide out at the skate shop for another hour while you decide <laughs> where to go next. And that was every day for yeah. a year. <laughs> That's wild, dude. Yeah. Yeah, because we didn't have any, like, there was a skate shop in town and, uh, somebody like broke the window or something like that. Like this is like small town, like Mina shit. Like everybody's just yeah. a bunch of degenerates at this point, dude. Like I remember the first time I smoked a cigarette was at the, so they finally built us a skate park in Mina sure. and it's still there. Well, no, it might not. No, I think it's still there to this day, but uh, it was right next to the baseball fields and stuff. And we used to go down there and my cousin, Gerald, he was fantastic, dude. He was so good. And uh, he he got off on a bunch of like the the darker side of sure. that kind of a place, but uh, he was so good, and like I always was just trying to be as good as he was, man. And like yeah. whenever you'd be down there, I'd hang out with like my buddy Dexter and stuff. And like I remember the first time, like I hit a cigarette. We were at the skate shop or at the skate park, and like I hit it and I coughed so bad, and like I thought I was gonna throw up, and then like. We're all just like out there, like chilling, skateboarding and stuff. And like, it was, it's just magic, man. That's funny. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Really? Sure. I was, I was going to ask you. So like, I mean, there's a lot of like, uh, what do they say? Like, uh, like sayings around, stereotypes around skateboarding around yeah. like people like doing drugs and like stuff like that. But like it, it, it's not technically like part of the culture. I feel like no, it's something that an outside it. viewer would say no it's just like if you leave a bunch of unsupervised teenage boys and up uh, and older together like what do you think is gonna happen man <laughs> they're gonna experiment with shit yeah it's not a and it's not <laughs> because of skateboarding dude yeah. it's just like the nature of leaving a bunch of unsupervised kids like that think about house shows dude like people don't Ooh. say oh your kids shouldn't learn how to play the guitar because they'll get in drugs Dude, you go to house shows, you're gonna you are gonna be introduced to drugs way more than you will at skate park. But yeah. no one talks about that. Mm -hmm. Like it's just the it's a unwarranted stereotype. I've told parents for so many years. My shop turns ten years old in April, so for ten years, I've been telling parents like, if you don't want your kid to like discover weed at the skate park, just hang out at the park, dude. Go at the skate park. Go to the skate yeah. park with them. Yeah. Go and read a book on the lawn next to it. It's a big open. Have park a great time. Right there. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like if if there are parents that are there, mm -hmm. people aren't going to smoke weed at the park. Yeah. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to get mm -hmm. in trouble. The only reason that's happening is because there's no adult supervision there at all. And that yeah. would happen if it was a basketball court. Like it has nothing. Oh, to absolutely. Do with yeah. That it's skateboarding. It's just kids who want to prove themselves and be cooler than the other ones unsupervised yeah, with no around. location dude yeah but no yeah, i don't that's know that's a good I point yeah it just wasn't i 
my sister was valedictorian, you know, and I got a three, five or something in high school. Like I did really well too. Yeah. But my sister was really, really good in school and never got in trouble. So you had, a, you had something to keep up, you know? Yeah. And like how extreme different are you going to be? Like, mm -hmm. that's just what I was brought up like. And I went to a Catholic school where kids didn't really get in trouble either. Like yeah. it just wasn't, I just didn't really get into trouble. I wasn't surrounded by that. My parents are very, were very present. You know, when kids get into smoking cigarettes when they're in middle school, it's because their parents aren't around, man. Yeah, like man. My, my parents were around. They yeah. were they were involved. Good parents. Not that not that everyone tries. And some people come from totally different situations. Like oh, definitely yeah. I'm a privileged white male from a middle class family. And that's a privileged situation. But my parents both had jobs where they were done with work, like around when I was done with school. I went to daycares until I was old enough or my sister was old enough for us to be at home by ourselves for like an hour until my parents came home. But we didn't we didn't try to go get in trouble or anything. So, yeah. I don't know, man, I, I guess I wisened up pretty young and realized that if I don't do anything stupid and I don't get in trouble, then my parents are going to give me way more freedom. Yeah, so not I don't get in trouble. So, yeah. you know, when I was 16, I was taking me and my friends loading up my car and driving to Minneapolis to go street skate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It was they not, knew that they could you could do that. Right. Because I never got in trouble. It just wasn't an wasn't an issue. And I wasn't tempted to get in trouble because I knew that if I did, I would lose all of these like privileges that I had. Yeah. So now my thing was I was always good at talking my way out of things. Like I would get into these like situations like not like huge troubles or anything like that but i was always like able to talk to well i lived with my grandma since sure. from the time i was 11 and she was she's 72 whenever she got us i think oh, at the time yeah. so it's not super hard to you know convince an old lady that she doesn't know what she's talking about you know unfortunately right. like and and she gave us so much rope like enough to hang yourself on kind of deal yeah, and sure. so I got into a lot of things that I never should have really been in because my parents weren't present. Grandma was there, but she was just doing her fucking best, you know, right, like she's exactly. an old lady. She can't really, you know, like she kind of just threw herself into the situation. But it's like I also wasn't out there like pursuing anything super crazy. Right. And for the most part, I stayed out of trouble until like my senior year. I got into some like crazy stuff that I've definitely talked about on the podcast it hasn't like sure. defined my life but it was a very big thing that happened to me at the time you know yeah dude i mean we all have different chapters right like yeah mine i never really got in trouble for anything like that just has never been a portion of my life but my i got divorced like four years ago now and i was with my ex-wife for 15 years like from when i was 14 years old till i was just about 30 um and that changed the like the trajectory of my life pretty significantly. You know what I mean? And that wasn't a Imagine, fun man. time. Like that shit sucked. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, but that like it's times like that, or you know, like when my dad had his heart transplant, and my parents got divorced, and I had to go through all that. It's those types of times that like you it wakes you up enough to really reflect on your life and like make more, you know 
a more conscious decision of like the direction you want to be going. Cause a lot yeah. of times you're just kind of one foot in front of the other, like, yeah, along with like an unconscious thing that snaps you into like right, an adult conscious. Exactly. You realize that making decisions, a change has to happen, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's out of your control. It's not cause you made a mistake. Like in, in my scenario, it's not like I got into drugs or something, but still the world around me changed drastically. And I had to decide, well, where do I want to go then? Yeah. Like, why do I want to, you know, proceed from there? Does it define me? No, but it was definitely a significant moment, you know, yeah. or, or time frame in my life where I had, I, it changed the trajectory for me for sure. That's such a huge thing because I've been with my girl for, you know, four years now. We have a two year old. And I mean, things are, things are fucking, I mean, we have a two year old right now and she's a bit of a monster. I love her to death, but like, I, I bet you remember when your girls were two years old. Dude, three is harder. Is it? <sighs> yeah. Everyone says terrible twos. I totally disagree. I know. I think three was the hardest. I feel like a lot of people say like one to three, you're going to have that year. That's the hardest. Somewhere well, it's, it's because from my experience with my kids, it's because when they hit three, they were old enough to realize that they don't have to listen to you. Yeah, I think she's already starting to. And then they could like, <laughs> they could think in their heads and go and weigh the decision to go, okay, I don't have to listen to you. And like, how far if is I he going to go to make me do this? Right. Yeah. They're like, well, so if I don't listen, how big is the consequence? <laughs> like, what can I get away with? Like, <laughs> oh, no. Babies, babies, they don't think about it at all. But they also yeah. can't get into that much trouble because they can't walk. They can't like there's they're pretty limited in the trouble oh, yeah. they can get into. Mm -hmm. But by the time they hit three, they're they can understand when you're talking to them, even if they can't communicate great yet, they can understand what you're saying and they can weigh in their mind like there's consequences, but it might be worth it. They're so I'm much smarter really, than you would ever think, too. Dude, yeah. That's when oh my, my kids God. were by far the most difficult. The thing about my girl right now is, like, she's so funny because, like, she's get it, just getting to where, like, you ask her a question, and if she doesn't know the answer, she'll go, um, like, she's, like, trying to, like, put it together. And, like, before, like, she'd just give you, like, some bullshit or, like, you know, whatever. Like, right. she wouldn't even answer. Like, she just wouldn't understand what you're talking about. Like, now she, it's, like like you can see the gears trying to turn and it's like it's just something that she hasn't learned yet right and so it's like you're putting in this input you know and it's just it's the i know a lot like it's so crazy like whenever you talk to parents like nobody really gives a shit you know but yeah. it's like just seeing that path of a small person getting all this input and like putting all the little pieces together is so much fun like it's yeah. the hardest possible thing i've ever done yeah, absolutely. So much harder than anybody ever said that it would be. Yeah. And they all said it would be hard. <laughs> yeah. But well, it's just so much pressure, dude. Like yeah. you got somebody else's life that, and it's not just about keeping them alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's like, like trying to follow the trajectory. Right. Like, you're like, whatever thing I do now could affect this other human for the yeah. next 80 years of their life yes dude. like we're talking oh. about nap time right now and it's like, <laughs> yeah. we're like are, yeah, like forcing lot. her to take a nap is that going to give her like a bad like yeah right connection with sleep kind of shit that's what i'm talking know? about though like, about just like being kind to yourself yeah it's about going as long as i did the best i could in that situation that's the best i could at the moment and that's it can't do anything better than that is what it is another you know, thing that i've takes, it is what it is another thing i've realized recently is like i just need to stop taking it so personally I think. Wow, yeah, dude. Kids can be mean, yeah. but they also don't, so they don't mean. mean 
Yeah, they don't. And it's also like you just take like their development and stuff really personally. Like if they're not at certain milestones and stuff like that, which she has, you know, like pretty much killed just about every every sure. milestone that I've heard of. Like she's yeah. pretty much killing it. But it's like I want to see her like be on that same path. But it's like you look at like little things, like whenever it comes to, like nap time and eating and stuff like that, like all these like. Uh, I guess like structural things that she yeah. just gets so mad about. Yeah. And it's like, you, you kind of just got to let her do her own thing. You have to like, not take it personally that you weren't the one that set the structure. Well, yeah. I mean, they're their own human dude. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they're, they're very not, independent. They're not you. They're not going to be you. Yeah. You have to try to guide them and give them all the tools to success, you know, but like they're still their own person. They're going to make their own decisions, especially as they get older. There's only so much you can do about it. Like, and they're going to be really good at some things and horrible at other things, just like you're really good at some things and horrible at other things. And uh, you, do, you do the best you can. And then you be nice to yourself. Happen and go, well, I did the best I could. You know, absolutely dude. not my fault I, I did what i could in the moment you know what i mean yeah we'll, we'll, stop, we'll stop talking to you guys about our kids we'll show you some pictures if you want but uh <laughs> i'm sure you don't want to see them <laughs> yeah. but uh so going past all of that i do want to hear so whenever you went to leave high school this is a question i like to i like to ask a lot um so like during high school it didn't sound like you like partied a whole bunch and stuff like no. that but like going out of high school do you actually have a plan like you knew you were going to college yeah. And like you, did you know what like you were going to be when you were going to, when you grew up kind of deal? Yeah. And how did that change throughout? I mean, I guess I was stuck in the same thing everyone is usually, which is the like build a comfortable life for yourself, make money, you know, like that's kind of college, do engineering or marketing. Yeah. Or we're not yeah. taught, we don't place a lot of importance. Um, when we're teaching kids through middle school, high school, that they should do something they love for a living or something that leaves a positive impact on others or something that makes them feel good about themselves. We tell them to try to make a living, right? Yeah. Like how do you make a, a comfortable living? So get you a comfortable living, get you a 401k set up. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was doing, man. Like I'd been in sales since I was 16. Like I'd always done sales and so and i was really good at it and what so, kind of sales if i may well I've, I've worked a lot of different jobs um my last couple of jobs i was an assistant manager for verizon wireless mm. um before that i was assistant manager for uh, Hellsberg diamonds uh yeah. before that I was a k jewelers it's i've worked a bunch of them but but I, I was doing sales and i went to college for business really just thinking like i'll get a degree in this and then i'll be a general manager of a sales environment store of some kind you know i don't know if it'll be selling houses selling insurance selling cell phones selling cars yeah. i just knew i was good at that i like talking to people and that's what i was going to do so i went to school for business um and realized that you're either like you can either do that or you can't do that and i didn't want to yeah. be on the marketing side like i wanted to sell things yeah going to gonna be the person to person Right, exactly. So I just didn't think I needed it. So mm -hmm. I dropped out um, and yeah, just like pursued that work and did really well with it. That's always what I wanted to do. And then it was when it was like right after Thanksgiving, which would have been 2012, 
I think would have been the year. Yeah. Um, I came home to visit my parents. I was living in Minneapolis, came home to visit my parents for Thanksgiving. I was back home. This was on like Monday or something. Um, and I was working at Ellsberg diamonds or K jewelers. I think it was at K jewelers. And I was going, walking to the food court cause it was in a mall walking to the food court. Um, and my phone went off, which was like happen chance. Cause I didn't keep my phone on me while I was working, but I was going on a break and it was my sister and I answered and she was just like bawling and freaking out. And she's like, you need to get to Eau Claire. She was living in Chicago at the time, getting her master's degree. Uh -huh. I was like, what's going on? She goes, I have no idea. I was just talking to dad and he collapsed. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know. I heard thuds. He, I was just like out of nowhere. He's like, I don't know if he's alive. You need to get to Eau Claire. I'm calling the ambulance like right now, uh, but you need to get there. And how far are you from there? Probably an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I like quickly turned around, like, Tossed my keys to like my store keys. I had I gotta to, go. my boss. Yeah. I was like, dude, I gotta go. And she was like, what? And I was like, my sister just called. I don't know if my dad just died or what, but I need to get, I need to get home right now. Figure it out. She's like, okay. You know? So I called, I was still married at the time, called my ex-wife and I was like, dude, I need you, Like we need to go to Eau Claire now. Like, I don't know how long we're going to be there. What's going on. And I explained it to her. I rush home, which was five minutes from where I work to my apartment threw some stuff in a backpack, started driving. And within 10 minutes, I was just like, I couldn't do it. I had to pull over. I was like losing it. And, um, the hospital is calling me and it's who's the like priest that's in the hospital that like talks to the people and relays information. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Liaison person. Yeah. Not, I can't think of the, the term, but whatever yeah. that, that person was calling me like every 10 minutes, giving me updates. Right. And yeah. he basically was just like, I don't know if he'll still be alive when you get here. Um, and event like eventually got to got to the hospital in Eau Claire. And he was like, they didn't think he was going to make it through the night when they found him. He had collapsed while on the phone with my sister after apparently my mom and him got in an argument and he like she walked out on him. Yeah. So he was talking to my sister. Oh, wow. He had a heart attack and fell down the flight of stairs because I live in a split level. Oh. Fell down both flights of stairs. They found him at the way bottom and did compressions on him for 45 minutes and broke all of his ribs. Um, and then he ended up being on a balloon pump for like two weeks. Yeah. It was a, it was a really, yeah, it was a really nasty Tough time, situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, you know, dealing with my mom had left him. And I didn't even know that my parents weren't together. She had left them like that fucking day. Oh, and my God. So when I got to the hospital, my mom was there, but with a friend. And I didn't understand what was going on. And oh, she just a dude friend. No, no, just a different friend. Okay. And but I remember when I got there, she just said like, oh, good, you're here now. And then just like left. And I didn't even know my parents weren't together. Like. Oh. I was with them two days ago and like they were for, together for 35 years. I had no idea. And she left and I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, my sister was in Chicago, so she was trying to figure out a way to get up to Eau Claire. She, you know, she didn't have a car yeah. she was in, in college down there. Yeah. And so it was just like staying up all night, hoping he was going to live. They would, you know, the liaison person that would come in once an hour 
basically and tell me like there's not a whole lot of news we're not sure what's if he's gonna make it or what you know whatever yeah and so it was just a, a really and I, there's more of that story but it was a, it was a hard time yeah. um and it was when that happened that i kind of like looked at my life like well my parents always talked about the next chapter of life and they were about to retire like they were two years away from retirement and had a nest egg to be able to travel the world the rest of their life yeah. they wanted and then in the course of one day like that's gone like totally gone like they're split dad's split. gone dad's gonna yeah. live like i don't even like it's just gone and i guess it it made me think about my own mortality of like well if i died tomorrow like how would i feel you know what i mean yeah. and so i just it, it made me really think about that and then over the course of the next like year or so um was when i decided to open my store yeah my, i had just it, it, i had a, a my first child during that like year and a half time frame as well mm -hmm. so becoming a parent as well as like all of a sudden taking care of my dad and yeah like, all of this stuff made me kind of wake up from the whole like corporate ladder make a good living situation yeah like and i need to take care of my life yeah like the money clearly doesn't matter that much because it yeah. didn't it my parents had it and it didn't fucking matter you know what yeah. i mean and so i can help them did it yeah right exactly so all that stuff were catalysts um as well as like we had been raising money for a skate park since i was like i don't even know i have a t-shirt you can't see it off camera but it, like it's behind me on the wall that says build us a park already yeah <laughs> I, I designed and screen printed that when i was 15 in high school and we wow. sold it for a skate park and so we had finally gotten our first free public skate park during that time frame too so wow. it was like kind of like the right time somebody should open a skate shop somebody needs to do this yeah you know you have the marketing you have the right you know, i knew what have i was sales. doing i already managed retail businesses yeah. i was ready to do something I cared about. It was all, all the stars kind of aligned where it was like, I'm going to take a chance now. It's kind of the time to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I did. And that I opened that April 11th of 2014. Still wow. have, a, I mean, I'm not there a lot anymore. I have somebody there full time. Yeah. But. It sounds like you got a lot of uh, like lead way with that. Like, it sounds like you have a good team behind you that can kind of take care now, of stuff. With yeah. You, yeah. But I mean, it was like, it was pretty much just me the first five years of owning that business as it should be yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know after that time frame i started to have the itch of like i want to do more like i want to have more things you can't do the same no matter how much you like something you can't do the same thing every day forever yeah and so that's kind of where it came to and i was going through a divorce at the time and stuff of um yeah she'll never watch this my ex-wife was unfaithful to me so i was having oh, issues with that and I, I stayed with her for over a year after that and i was just kind of like struggling yeah figuring out like what i it's i mean like you don't want to let go yeah know? and i wanted to be there for my kids and i just like yeah. i needed something else and that's when i started my show is it was like i needed some yeah. other outlet and so that's when i i started doing my podcast which was four and a half years ago that would have mm. been now um and that over time has really taken off to be a big part of my career. And during oh, yeah. that time frame as well was when I started painting. I didn't start painting till I was 28. Really? Yeah. But wow. now painting is like, I painted one of the biggest murals in my area. It's 32 yeah. feet tall and 78 feet wide. I think That's I saw that on your Instagram. It's fantastic. One. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
So um, during that time frame is when I started doing that. And now between art, my show and my my shop, I make a living between all three, but I, I kind of juggle them all. Yeah. And my show is probably what takes the most amount of my time. But it, it from what you told me, it sounds like it. Yeah, it depends. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the that really big mural that I did that when I was working on that, that was definitely that was what, the main yeah. the majority of every one of my days was going to painting that mm-hmm. until that project was done. So it, it kind of depends case by case a little bit depends on wow. what's on the workload. So the I, I was one of my questions was what drew you to start the podcast, but I can that that just is so clear as to why. And then, so what started you painting? Like what made you just put it? I was just depressed, dude. Like that's all it was. It was like, yeah, well, I always like, I've always really enjoyed art, Mm -hmm. um, but I never thought I was an artist. I didn't take art classes in school. Like I just always thought I couldn't draw. So I, you know, we didn't want to draw what they wanted you to draw probably. Well, that, and I just wasn't good at it, man. Like I wasn't even a kid who doodled a lot. Like I just wasn't good at it, but it took like, it took a time frame of my life where I was so depressed that I, it was the first time in my life where I no longer cared about like anything really at that time frame. It was, I was in a really bad place. Um, but during, it was finally this first time where it was like, if I paint something and it's complete horseshit, I don't care if it's complete yeah. horseshit. And I think a lot of the things that gets in our way as adults is like, we don't want to be bad at anything. It's embarrassing to be bad at something. And if we we don't want to start new things because it's like, well, if I was going to be an artist, I should have been a while ago. I can't. There's so much competition. Yeah, I can't be 30 and start drawing like that's embarrassing, you know. But it was the first time where I embarrassment wasn't something that crossed my mind because I was depressed enough. I did. You were hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just meaning these like stupid little cartoony kind of creatures because it was like a, a. an outlet of like, this is kind of silly and I don't, it, I don't have to think about it. It was just something to kind of do. Yeah. Um, the art I've seen of yours is fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was just something to kind of distract me. Like I said, I was going through a, a difficult time with this divorce of like, I needed distractions and painting was a way where I could be in my house, but I could be distracted from what was happening at the time Yeah. because I would just be focusing on, my painting you know what i mean um and that's one thing that's like i'm really thankful i was talking to my tattoo artist about it today because i got tattooed today actually yeah I, i was talking to him today about how whenever i've been depressed i my coping mechanism which is awesome is i just work really hard yeah um a lot of other people i'm not saying i'm better than anybody but unfortunately what happens with a lot of people when they're depressed is they go down a path of drugs or alcohol or whatever to like escape their their ways of escaping are negative so that way associating cycle because then when they would otherwise feel better they look at what they've done with the last time frame and they're like god i'm such a piece of shit so much worse now yeah versus me my escape is doing something productive and it always has been i'm not sure why i'm just wired that way i don't know but when i've been depressed my time probably something from the catholic school I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I attribute religion to it, but but like Probably I'll put one of those bankings, you know, so much time <laughs> art, or I'll put so much time into my show or whatever that thing is that when I come out of it, you know, that depressive state, I look at where all that time went, and I'm like, damn, I made a lot of progress. 
you know, yeah. maybe I wasn't emotionally available for people during that time frame, which sucks. Mm -hmm. But like I made a lot of progress and I feel good about where I'm at. And that's what happened during that time frame of my life. You know, yeah. going through that year and three months, you know, before we finally split. But then even after that, you know what I mean? It's not like a you break up and never see each other. I, you I have my kids. Have time. Every like every yeah. Sunday I see my ex-wife every yeah. Sunday, you know. And it's a it's a healing journey that takes a long time. After 15 years and two children, it takes a long time. Yeah. And so and then how long have y'all been separated now? Four years now. Four years now. Yeah. Um, but it's just been yeah, and it was during the pandemic. So even getting the divorce finalized was a pain because courts oh were my God, yeah. So it just made everything a, a mess. Wow. We've been like, actually divorced now for a little over three years. Um but it, anyways, during that whole time frame, it's like there are a lot, a, a lot of sections of that where I was really depressed for chunks of time. And thankfully, I had my show and I had art and things that I could put all of my energy into. If I didn't yeah. want to feel anything, I didn't go to like drugs or alcohol. I went to you paint. editing videos. You yeah, I just I like tunnel visioned on that. Yeah. To distract me from the outside world, which, like I said, made some of my friendships and stuff suffer because I wasn't emotionally yeah. available for people. But at least I put it into something that I felt good about after the fact. I'd prefer the opposite or I'd prefer that to the opposite of like yeah, totally. going and like drinking with other people and like being super available to other people and like just like going out partying and being, you know, super social and like trying to fill your void with that. Right. That, you know, you kind of went into your yourself and yeah. dealt with things, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying I didn't ever go to the bar or anything, but, but in oh, general, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, that, that's what I have for whatever reason, that's my coping mechanism when I'm depressed is yeah. I just work on stuff because yeah. I think for me, like, I guess I'm just reflecting on it in the moment. I think it's because there's something measurable in front of me mm -hmm. where I can like tunnel vision on that thing. And I can see progression. So even yeah. though it feels like the world's falling apart around me in those moments where nothing's working and everything's horrible, this one thing that I'm hyper-focused on, I can see that progressing and improving. Yeah. And I know that like... It's I can touch, feel, I can see. Right. And by like, having that in front of me, that's what draws me to it. Wow. That makes sense. No, that definitely does. Cause I can see like, because I mean, just putting a, an, a video together is just such an accomplishment for me whenever I do it or like I, I do, I've doodled and stuff like that. And like whenever I finish a piece and stuff like that, like it's so yeah. huge, you know, or like, and I, I, I like to think I'm a big reader, but like, I don't read as much as I'd like to, but whenever I finish a book or something like that, it's such a huge accomplishment. Totally. You know, like those are like, like personal accolades that you yeah. get to enjoy. And whether it's for some, like, whether anybody else understands it, it, it means something to you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's just something kind of like measurable right in front of you mm -hmm. that you can see the, the finality of it. You can see the progress of it yeah. where it's, it's not, it's undeniable. It's yeah. not, am I in a better place emotionally or not? Some days I'm happier. Did I just other. finish a 15 hour, right. you know, exactly. podcast episode or did I just like finish working how, however long you did on that mural and all that. Yeah, stuff. right. Like, exactly. It's, yeah. it's something measurable that you can see and go, okay, cool. I know that no matter what else is going on, that's confusing this. I know for sure I did this right. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah.
That's a, I think that's a, a note for a lot of people, man, because and that's something for me. Like whenever I get like stressed out, like I turn to well, I mean, I don't even really think I, I really turn to it. I feel like I've grown a lot on this and stuff. Like I don't drink as much as I used to. I do still drink. I you do still so smoke and stuff like that. Oh, you really can't help it, dude. And, like, yeah, it's, dude, it's, it's hard, man, because like you you're passing out beers all day, and like the one thing you want to do whenever you get off, like the the like the uh, period on the end of my day is like I get to have a beer. And that means that I'm done because I can't drink all day while everybody else is drinking and fucking around around me. I the one thing that I can do is go home, have a beer, and that's the end of my day. Right. Like I know I'm done at that point. Yeah, for sure. And it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but it makes the most sense to me. Sure. It's like that's how I know I'm done. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I think it makes total sense, dude. There's a reason that like service industry has its own culture. Yeah. It really is like a like a very interesting and uh toxic <laughs> subculture of humanity. But it, it's bartenders so make bartenders can make very good money mm-hmm. without working particularly hard necessarily, depends on the situation, yeah. but in general, without having to have a degree or any kind of like oh yeah, really significant expertise, you can make pretty good money. Oh yeah. It's the hours and it's the culture and everything that's difficult. There's a reason yeah. not how many people do it as they get older because it's they socially don't want to work at night. They want to I be with say... their family and stuff. They don't want to yeah. be working Saturday nights. They don't want to work Friday nights. Like it's just yeah, you know, all the time people older, are going to the lake and doing all that stuff, or like people right, exactly. are going to football games and things like that. I'm working those. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I want to be able to take my kids up to my cabin on the weekend, you know, when they get done with yeah. school on Friday. But I've also carved out a very good spot at the place that I work where I work Thursday through Sunday. I get my Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. I have three days off a week, every week, where sure. I can do podcasts. Me and Kristen, we can do everything in the house that we need to do. And like we just work right. opposite schedules. Which works, so it works for you. Very well. You know, which works for you for the time being. And maybe it works forever. Maybe it works for two years. Maybe it works for 10 years. I can't years. imagine my feet will let it work for that much yeah. longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, They're I would very mad at me right happen. now. Is once your kid's in school, it'll be like a, oh, now having Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday off isn't that ideal. because It doesn't make that much school. sense anymore. Right. <laughs> if I have to work, I should get that done while my kid's at school because I want to spend as much time with them as possible. Yeah. That's one thing about it is like people will say like having a kid like just and like doing the social media and stuff that we talked about earlier, like the amount of time that that takes, like that's time like because I'm with my kid most of the time if i'm not at work i'm with oc like all the time and to do like the social media posts and stuff like that i have to just sit down and just get away from her like i have to put like on a movie or something like that and like get her like away from me i have to like sit in a chair like take an hour or two out of a day to like do these posts on all these different platforms and all this stuff and like i do have a pretty good situation with kristen set up to where i they go to bed at nine o'clock i can stay up however late but OC is going to be up at eight at the latest. Yeah. So I need to be in bed by like midnight. That needs to be like, I have, I should be hundred yeah. percent. If I want to get eight hours of sleep, hopefully, you know, I should be in bed. Dude, at yeah. Speaking of. Yeah. I was just <laughs> about to say that because I do want to uh, kind of ask you about where everything is right now for yeah. the passion pod, the, uh, the skate shop, you as a person and then what is going on in the future 
Man, I mean, right now it's just winter, so my shop is slow. Um, there's not really, I don't really throw events midwinter. Is it skating and no, there's not know. that much you can do. <laughs> Same way with like mural work, you know, there's opportunities to paint stuff indoors, and I do that, you know, yeah. a little bit. But what I love is being outside in the nice weather with a speaker on painting for 10 hours. Like, that's what I love about painting murals. So, right now I've been painting um, some smaller stuff. I'm going to be in this uh, <laughs> fingerboard art show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <painting stuff. laughs> fingerboard. Yeah, yeah. This artist in, uh, think in somewhere maybe in phoenix Mm -hmm. somewhere in that area of the country asked me to be in it so that's awesome um i painted getting some deep ellum need some yeah 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 for real um i'm painting some doing a bunch of custom sneakers for people which is like a fun little side thing that i do i paint shoes. i noticed that those are freaking sick dude i have a buddy that does that uh ben graves over in uh fayetteville and he is fantastic you'd love him yeah, dude. Yeah, send me his, his uh, profile. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I mean, doing that, but for the most part, it's just working on my show. Yeah. Um, trying to align myself with more organizations in the area. Um, mm-hmm. Really, I'm trying to position myself as like the podcasting or interviewing personality in the Midwest. Yeah. We don't have any significant people in the Midwest at all. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm talking Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Madison. There's no major interviewing personality in any of those areas. I can't think of one. Yeah. And I'm no, not, I mean, not that I'm a well learned person or anything. No, but I mean, area. I'm in that scene and I live in this area and I don't know who they are. Yeah. Does that mean I'm the biggest one? No, but it just means that there isn't anyone so big that I even know who they are. But it also so means there's an opportunity. Right. That's what I'm saying. So trying to position myself as that guy, I already kind of am like in my city, I'm like the person to interview people, Mm -hmm. but I want to make that like bigger, such as like Travis Scott is performing um, in Minneapolis on Saturday. Right. Dude, I'm not going to interview him. I know. But what I'm saying is as people like him come through, Mm -hmm. I want to be positioned as the guy to interview everyone. Like when they do come through, it's the, that's the idea. Well, I am interviewing um, Tom Higginson, the singer of the Plain White Tees, next oh, month. sick, dude. In Minneapolis. And their song, Hey There, Delilah, just hit a billion streams. So I am interviewing some big people, Whoa. just not Travis Scott. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to... that's crazy that Travis Scott is bigger than Hey There, Delilah right now. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, pretty wild, dude. It Well, I mean, a different time, right? Like, Yeah, it did take Plain Hey White There, Delilah so 15 famous. years, you know? Yeah, Plain White Tees were way famous long before Instagram. So oh, the yeah. singer of the Plain White Tees, Tom Higginson, um, his name's Higgy Pop on Instagram. You can He follows me that's on Instagram. A, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, he only has like 18, 19,000 followers or something. Nothing like, not that many considering he's the singer of a he's song. He's a relatively regular dude for what he is, yeah. Yeah, I yeah I, interview, I did a short interview with him backstage at a music festival a while back. So I'm going to mm-hmm. interview him again. But anyways, what I'm saying is like I'm, trying to partner with more organizations like that. Um, like right now I just signed a contract with quick trip. So that's like our major, you know, gas station chain and they that's work a with a lot of different, um, not just like influencers, but, um, professional athletes and different people are part of their influencer team, you know, just mm-hmm. famous people. So being in their network and creating content with some of them is going to be fun. So I have some of that like lined up. Um, but that's why I'm putting so much time and energy into my show. I'm kind of looking at it as this window of time 
over the winter of I can't go outside and paint anything. So I'll let painting kind of like be on the back burner of, of focus. I'm still doing it, but I'm doing it less because what I really want to do with it, I can't do. It's winter. Yeah. Um, can't do anything with my skate shop really because it's winter. So I'm just hunkering down and like focusing on that. We're, yeah. like, like I said, lining up with more. Well, cool because you're two different, like you're, or well, I mean three, but your two big ones here are like yeah. summer, spring, you right. know, fall kind of areas, whereas your show could be. Right. Well, and that's yeah. why I was telling my tattoo artist today too. He's a good friend of mine. He's been tattooing me for 14 years. So it's mm. not just my tattoo artist, good friend of mine. Right. But, uh, that's what I was telling too about like, I'm using these cold days in this winter as just an excuse to hunker down and do the work I don't want to do. Opportunities, buddy. Eight hours a day understanding, okay, well, how does YouTube as a platform really work? Because my show, like, it's on all the platforms, but it started as a radio show. Like, the first yeah. ever episode of my show premiered on the radio. It was wow. always an audio show. It wasn't meant to be video. I didn't yeah. do video until way later down the road. And even then, when I started doing video, I only had one camera angle. And I only really did that so I could cut out clips. I didn't really try to push a YouTube channel at all. Wow. It wasn't until this past summer that I got two more cameras. So now I have three camera angles and lighting and the whole thing. But that yeah. was pretty recently that I actually was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna focus on video as well now. Mm -hmm. So just trying to use this winter of like really diving in on all that stuff, making my show the best it possibly can be recording a ton of interviews with cool people. Like I said, partnering yeah. with all the right organizations and kind of positioning myself in the right kind of way. So that's what you can expect. If you go find me on Instagram, just passion pod, or if you search passion pod anywhere, um, yeah. that's the easiest way to find me, but there's a ton of interviews. I think I got like six big interviews currently that are edited that haven't came out yet. They're ready so to go. Yeah. So it's coming out every yeah. week and i got more lined up there's there'll be lots of stuff coming out but for me it'll mostly be podcast stuff at least until the spring yeah that is awesome man. i was gonna ask you how you choose your guests but it sounds like when people come through like big big names like you want to be the guy in that area like not so much like people reaching out to you or anything like that or like people trying to come from yeah. other places and stuff like that like sounds like you're down to do other people's shows like you totally yeah yeah it's fun I, I i love coming on other people's shows it's always a yeah. good time this has it's been nice a fantastic to... show for me and i'm very I'm, <laughs> well, no i mean this is so much fun. fun dude yeah i mean it dude i get to come on do the fun part of the show and none of the negative stuff yeah <laughs> exactly get to do the two hours of fun and not right, the I get 15 like, hours of bullshit <laughs> yeah no no no. yeah so i like doing this stuff here's the thing like people reach out to me all the time um that want to be guests on the show but if they're reaching out to me versus me reaching out to them, I'm not going to have a gain. I'm not going to get the quality of interview I really want. Right. Like that's just probably going to be the case. Mm -hmm. So I interview people that are coming through the area. I went to LA and New York and I do have networks out there and I probably will go back out there, but that's just because I know one person who then has 10 other contacts in their cell phone. They could text right there. That would all be cool people. Right on. But me trying to position myself as more like the dude in the Midwest, it makes more sense to interview people that are coming through the Midwest. Well, Either that, that also them. makes it easier for you. Like people come to it you. It does. Than you. Yeah, it does. Um, but you'd be surprised. Like going to LA, it's pretty convenient because I'll just get a hotel room. And then if people know I'm only there for like these few days to do this yeah. thing, 
they usually work around my schedule and they'll come to my hotel room and I'll just be doing podcast every two hours. Yeah. Four interviews in a day. One time out there. It's just boom, 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 boom. Versus living here. I drove all the way to Appleton, which is a little over three hours one way for an interview. So that was an all goddamn day thing. (laughs) Not any more convenient than going to LA. Yeah. But it, the I want to grow and focus more on the listenership and stuff of people in the Midwest, right? I want to hit so your like, people, yeah. Yeah, and it's like if I'm going to interview this guest, say they both have similar listenership to their music or whatever, and I don't, I I do too many music interviews, like music artist yeah. interviews. That's not a, the topic of the show at all. It just happens mm-hmm. to be what pops up. More There's often. a lot of passion in there, though. Well, and they like to promote themselves, so they're yes. right, right. they're easy to get a hold of typically. Um, but like if they just performed in my area it's much more likely that people are going to care about listening to it because a lot of the people who are in my audience you know instagram yeah they're from my area a lot of them the most concentrated amount of my followers for my instagram and stuff is in my area from eau claire the surrounding area in minneapolis that's the most concentrated and then i have uh listenership in la and new york but Mostly it's in my area. So if they just saw this person come through and then paid to go see their show, hell yeah, they want to listen to the interview. Not only that, oh, yeah. the organization also wants to push and promote that interview. Yes. There so you go. It's more just the long-term vision of like, that's how I want to set myself up. So I look at the calendars of who's coming through, you know, whether it's for like a comedy club or if it's for a theater or if it's for a stadium or whatever, I, I try to keep in tune with like, who is going to come through the area, even if it's not Eau Claire, if it's Minneapolis or Milwaukee or whatever, and then send a lot of messages to those types of people and other people too, like sending messages to green Bay Packers players or Minnesota Vikings players or, you know, professional athletes for the Minnesota wild or the twins or like, there's so many people, dude. It's just, those are fun. Yeah. Pro athletes. They're, they're cool. I've interviewed a lot, way more pro skateboarders than I should. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to talk to some skateboarders, man. I bet they're so much fun. So rad, dude. The last one was it the last one I interviewed? I don't know. One of the last ones I interviewed um was Willie Santos, who is pro for Tony Hawk's company for 25 years. Yeah. Such a legend, dude. I grew up watching that dude and then oh, getting yeah. to ask him about like how he started Birdhouse, like with Tony Hawk and everything. And then yeah. when when Willie shared those clips of him like talking about Tony Hawk calling him to be on his company and stuff, you know the clips that I cut and posted to social media. I saw the little thing on my notifications. Tony Hawk liked your video. Whoa. Yeah. He liked like three of them screenshot of that shit. I don't like fangirl. Yes, dude. Bro, that. but for Tony Hawk, but yes. For Tony dude. Hawk, I was stoked. I know it was just a dumb little like, but for me, it's that was so like, huge, dude. hell yeah. It was so yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, those ones are always fun. Well, that is huge, man. So uh, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find Passion Pod. It's on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, I'd imagine. Dude, yeah, Podbean if you look up Passion Pod stuff. on whatever your search engine platform is, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll pop up. Uh, Instagram is by far like the main social media platform that I use. I yeah. do read all of my DMs. If it's dumb, I don't respond, but I typically <laughs> respond to DMs. You know, and dumb is in the behind the eye yeah. the They'll know. go into like my requests, but I still typically respond to everybody. I'm not that big that I don't respond to people. I try to respond it, you're to a very people. nice guy. I will give you that. You responded to, to me, and that's that's huge for me. I, I if people are taking their time to send me a message, I try to respond to them. So yeah. passion pod on Instagram, it's easy to find. 
um, not passion podcast. Yeah. That's a different one. Look up just passion pod. It should be obvious that it's me if you look it up, but if you look that up, it'll be everywhere. Um, YouTube now is the platform that I'm pretty fresh on, but it looks Pushing. good. You said yeah. it, you saw the same town episode. It's good. And that page will grow. So you can watch episodes if you want to watch full length ones or clips or whatever on there. You can find me on TikTok. I think it's Passion Pod Official. I don't use that a ton, but it's okay. Instagram and YouTube are the two platforms I'm really using. Uh, passionpod.org on my website. You can order merchandise. You can. You do my- have some sick merch, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, there's yeah. some cool stuff on there, man. That's pretty dope, dude. Um, the graphic. Yeah, I might have to that- cop a little bit. <laughs> the graphic designer that designed that I actually knew since he was like 14. He's the oh, little wow. kid at the skate park when I was like 19. And all these years later, he does merchandise and stuff for me. And I interviewed him long, long time ago now. Super nice dude. But yeah, so passionpod.org has everything. Um, there's my link to like my Patreon if you want access to episodes early or if you just in general want to donate $5 a month to support yeah. me and what I do. Like that's an easy way to do it. Just small for you, style. but huge for small for the, the individual, but huge for you. Yeah, no, I mean, all that stuff helps. Um, The big one, though, is just like sharing stuff on social media. Everyone always says that, but it does actually make a huge difference. Yeah. Go listen to an episode or whatever and just comment on it, like and comment on it. Even if you're just like following each of us and then every time we make a post, you drop a fire emoji a comment. Something. Even like little things like that actually do help Mm -hmm. uh, with the algorithm and all. The algorithm speaks for itself, dude. Yeah, it it helps a lot so yeah if you find me on social media find me on instagram um hit me up if you have any questions about whatever and listen to the show hopefully you like it if you don't stop listening to the show oh well there you go yeah <laughs> yeah we'll miss you but uh we won't be too fucked up about it man yeah <laughs> Whoops. well chris it has been fantastic to have you i'm gonna go ahead and let the people go and uh, i'm gonna let you go to sleep because i know you got to get the girls to school tomorrow yeah but, dude, uh, at that time but this was fun yeah, but this has been awesome, man. The 69th episode of Detours, the 99th episode of the podcast. I can't imagine a better guest. It's been so long, and like the fact that like you, honestly, like you offered to me, which I would have never even asked you because I didn't even <laughs> think I had a chance, is just so huge, man. Like I'm so honored to have you, dude. You are awesome. This is fun, dude. Thank you very much. It was cool. That's awesome, man. And uh, this episode will be out. Soon I'll have it out on Thursday, which is this Tuesday now. Doesn't mean anything to the people listening, but it means something to us. Dope. But uh, you're awesome, man. Let's get these people out of here. All right. Peace. All right. See you, buddy.